Good morning, everybody. Can you be a little bit more awake than the first? The first gathering are great people, but you guys seem to be more lively, which is pretty awesome. Um, well, last week, Pastor Matt opened with a sermon about mental health, and he opened up his particular sermon uh, talking about some really cool shoes that somebody gave him for Christmas with the relevant R. I don't remember if any of you remember seeing those or not, but they are pretty awesome. Still waiting for mine. Um, but I wanted to do the same thing today and say thank you to Pastor Nick. Uh, Pastor Nick uh, bought me this shirt for Christmas because he knows how much I struggle with wintertime. Um, all the potholes and the salt that ruins your vehicles and the doom. Anyway, i got to get out of that mindset. But um, does anybody else in here struggle with wintertime? A lot of people. We're in a safe place, and this is good. Um, when for, some, for some of you um, who don't know me, I have a daughter named Annie, and Annie is eight. And last week, uh, she came in here, and she told my wife something. She says, Mom, do you know what I love about Relevant? And she says, What? And my daughter says, you don't have to pay to get in. <laughs> you just walk in. And so I wonder how many of you just walked in here without having to pay. I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, I did too. But I love that. I love that we are a church where anyone and everyone can just walk in. Uh, and if you found yourself walking in here for the very first time, it's great to have you with us. I mean, actually, church, can we just tell all of them, give them a round of applause, all of our guests here in the room today? It really is good to have you with us this morning. Um, we have all sorts of people who just walk in here every week. We have young people. We have old people. Uh, we have marrieds. We have single moms, single dads, blended families. I saw a guy back over here somewhere with a pretty awesome mustache just a few minutes ago. We have those kind of people. We have people who can't grow a mustache like myself. Uh, but we have people in here who love Jesus, people who are curious about Jesus, people who are exploring God, and there's people in here who are angry with God. And that's Okay. Um, we have people in here who are also battling with drugs and alcohol and mental health struggles, which is why we're doing this series. We have people built like The Rock, or at least they think they're built like The Rock. And then we have those of us who are built like the Michelin Man. Um, I've been working on that for a while. Uh, but there's people here uh, who just woke up for the first time this year, and they're not even sure how they got here, but we welcome you as well. But no matter how you found yourself walking in here this morning, uh, maybe you're looking for hope. Maybe you're looking for joy. Maybe you're looking for acceptance. Maybe you're looking for belonging or community. Let me tell you, this is a safe place for you to work out anything that you need to work out in your life. Uh, but back to my daughter's comment, obviously having an awesome church like this isn't free of cost, but uh, it is through you and your generous hearts that pave the way for open doors for all kinds of people uh, to just walk through here every single week to find joy and hope and peace and love and forgiveness and community and belonging through Jesus Christ because it all actually only comes through Jesus Christ. So no matter what is happening in the world, no matter what is happening in your life, here's the truth. Jesus never changes. And Jesus is the hope. And Jesus never changes. Jesus is our rock and our provider and sustainer and maker of all things new. And so if you believe that, will you give Jesus a round of applause today. Yeah, get that going. And my sermon is done. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, if, we're new, if you're new here, uh, we are in week two of a series on mental 
health. Um, as you know, mental health is a hot topic in the world today because the struggles are on the rise. Um, if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to Pastor Matt's message. But if I were to sum up his entire sermon in one sentence from last week, I would say this, that the quality of our mental health is determined by hope, and hope lives and dies in our minds. Let that sink in for just a second. I actually stole that statement from his notes. I took it right off there. Uh, but since we are doing this series, I thought that this is a great time to highlight some great mental health resources that we have available to you or that we're partnered with or connected to. And so this is going to be my next steps at the very beginning of my message. And so go ahead and grab your phones, uh, except for my sons. Uh, they're not allowed to take their phones out on a Sunday morning. But go ahead and grab your phones. You can take some pictures of some of these uh, resources here in a second. But the first mental health resource that I would like to uh, point out is called the YouVersion Bible app. Um, you can scan the code or download the app and search for Relevant Community Church. Um, but the YouVersion Bible app, we have a profile now uh, through Relevant we launched last month. But it includes reading plans. You can share uh, your highlights with people in here. You can write prayer requests and people can pray for you through it. It's pretty awesome. Um, we actually also put a, Bible, a featured Bible reading uh, plan out there for you that only takes about five minutes a day if you're trying to get into that habit, which we encourage you to do. But Pastor Matt talked about the importance of starting every single day with hope. And the Bible is full of stories of hope. The second mental health resource is our Relevant Care and Support page. Um, if you're listening on, uh, on a podcast or whatever right now, you can go to www.relevantcommunity.org backslash care um, or on our Relevant app under resources. Um, but this page includes some of our recommended counselors for all types of issues and struggles and information about centers for people struggling with addictions or substance abuse locally and nationally and includes a national suicide hotline, uh, which used to be a long number that was hard to remember, so they got it down to 988. So if you can remember that, 988 is pretty awesome. It's a great resource uh, to call for help and how to help other people. Um, which, by the way, we're actually going to be doing a seminar on January 31st from 7 to 8 p.m. Um, about suicide prevention and Awareness. I called uh, one of my friends uh, named Chaplain Gail, Jail, Gail, her name is really hard to say sometimes, Gail J. Yandell from Houston, Texas. She's amazing, um, but she's going to be up that week. But the goal of, of this seminar is to discuss the topic of suicide and how we can help someone struggling in this way because we all need to know how to help each other. Um, but if you're interested in that, uh, just please email us at info at relevantcommunity.org. But we'll also get that shared uh, sometime starting this week, hopefully. So just let us know you're coming. The fourth mental health resource that I would like to personally uh, recommend that you read, I guess I'm personally recommending all of these, um, is a book called Soul Keeping. Um, this book is by an author named John Ortberg. Uh, this book was recommended to me about seven years ago, and it began changing the way that I live my life. Uh, but I'm putting this one out there because I believe that it can change yours too if you feel stressed out. You feel burned out, or kind of like maybe your life flatlined, uh, you need to read this book. Like John said, we get to talk about depression today. It's kind of a heavy topic, and it's not an easy topic to talk about, but depression is one of the most common mental health struggles in the world today. In fact, many studies are now saying that depression is the number one mental health struggle in the world today. But what's interesting is that the rate among teens the depression rate among teens is actually growing exponentially. And every single year, more and more and more teens are be being uh, prescribed antidepressants. 
There's actually about 74 million uh, prescriptions for antidepressants going out every single year, and it's only growing. Now, we all experience low moments in sadness and rough places in our life. We can expect that. But there's a large number of people who actually uh, misunderstand depression, and so we're going to talk about it for a minute. But depression is actually a mood disorder that can affect how you think and how you feel, how you manage daily activities. It can affect someone's ability to do their work or keep up with their house. Um, and in some really severe cases, it can actually affect a person's ability to keep up with their own personal hygiene. And for some, even to the point of wanting to give up on life completely. Um, and people are experiencing depression. People who experience depression experience a variety of symptoms. Um, I got a text uh, from a gal uh, from this church, actually, amazing woman, loves God. But she sent me this text uh, this week to tell me about what her uh, battle with depression looked like. She says, I felt worthless, indecisive, like I was a burden to others. I wanted to sleep all the time, and I didn't enjoy the fun things that I used to enjoy, and I lost motivation to do simple tasks. And in my darkest moments, I believed that what I could contribute to the world wasn't worth continuing my life for, which led me to attempting to end it. Depression's a heavy topic. And when I was preparing for today's message, I actually learned that two out of every three people, that's two-thirds for the math geniuses in here and maybe who's not, like me, um, two-thirds of people who struggle with depression don't actually seek help or receive treatment for their condition. And why is that? Well, some may not even be aware that they're struggling with depression. There's a lot of those. Some don't actually seek help because they aren't sure how. Uh, some people don't get help due to the embarrassment that it might bring or that they think it might bring to their life. Uh, some people don't want to acknowledge that they're depressed. Some feel too shameful to admit they are depressed. And this is especially common for those people in the church because we have Jesus, right? Or maybe I don't have enough faith, right? Or... Maybe I'm just not praying hard enough about it, right? And so they keep quiet. And we addressed that lie last week that this is a lie from the devil to keep you in the pit. It's a lie. Um, there's a gal that I know that I've known for a lot of years. Um, she has a family. She has a good husband. She has a good job. She has a good heart. And she follows Jesus. I know she loves Jesus. But she struggles terribly with anxiety and depression. And in one of our recent conversations, I said, I think you're depressed. And she looked at me with a surprised face and then said, don't say that. There's nothing wrong with me. Don't say that. But church, listen, you have to acknowledge where you're at and say things out loud to begin your process of healing. And I believe so many people don't ask for help because they see us as a sign of weakness. But here's the reality. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. If you need help carrying that new refrigerator in your house, what do you do? You ask for help. If you need help with your homework, what do you do? You ask for help. You should at least. Um, if your marriage isn't doing great, what do you do? You ask for help. If you're, if you're not okay, ask for help. Because asking for help is not a sign of weakness, but of wisdom. And so to the depressed person, it's okay to not be okay. But just don't not be okay alone. 
You've got to ask for help. You have people who love you, but more than that, you have a God who loves you. And you have a God who is with you, and he wants to lift you up out of the pit of darkness because your ultimate help comes from him. Now, I know that depression is a complex issue, and I know that it's not, one, it's not a one-size-fits-all. And so I met with a lot of different people. I met with a licensed health mental practitioner. Uh, can't even say the word. There's a lot of letters after her name. Um, I met with a retired psychologist. I've talked with addiction specialists in California that I know because of the connection between depression and addiction. And I've talked with a lot of people in here in this room just because I wanted to know what your experiences were like or are like with depression. And I read a lot of stuff. I read a lot of material, like a whole lot, like like way more than Pastor Matt in his five-chapter Lamentations books. Like he doesn't read as much as I do. It's actually the real reason why he wears glasses because he wants to look like he reads a lot um, and sophisticated and all. But um, he gets a little jealous sometimes of me and my book reading. So that's okay. We'll, we'll continue to love on him. Uh, but there are a number of reasons that cause depressions. And so I've grouped these into four different buckets, if you will. And we can kind of call these buckets of depression, um, well, buckets of depression. And that actually sounds very depressing. Uh, bucket number one would be writing a sermon about depression. Uh, but these are in no particular order. And remember, I'm not a doctor. I am a pastor, and so that's going to be my bent for today. Uh, but everyone is different. And depression is not a one-size-fits-all. And my goal is to take a whole-life approach Take a whole life approach today because I believe that healing from depression actually takes a whole life approach. But I would put these into four buckets. Biological, situational, relational, and lifestyle. Lacole. So it rhymes. I thought that was funny, but it's okay. Um, there's a lot of people uh, inside our body. With a lot of th- there's a lot of things going on inside of our body. Uh, it's made up of a lot of different parts and systems and structures. And all of this is managed by our brain, and our brain directs our moods. But in order for our bodies and our brains to work correctly, it requires certain nutrients and vitamins and right levels of hormones and perfectly balanced chemicals and exercise and hydration and even sunlight because sunlight somehow creates vitamin D in our bodies to function correctly. There's a lot of stuff going on with that brain health up there. Uh, When the body and brain is getting what it needs, our brain says, I'm happy. And it produces a good mood. But if it's, not getting what it, if it's not getting what it needs, then our brain says, unhappy. And you feel bad moods. I think God created our bodies to work in a magnificent way. But did you know, this was interesting to me, and I remembered this years ago, but when you go to see a doctor about depression, what do, you, what do they look at first? They take your blood. Like, I don't feel well. Why are you taking my blood? They do this so they can check all of your hormones and your chemicals and your nutrients. And then they make their recommendations based upon that. And so for some of us, sometimes we're just simply lacking nutrients. Uh, Maybe uh, we're not getting enough dopamine in our bodies um, that comes from exercise. Maybe you're just not getting enough exercise. Or maybe uh, you could be experiencing hormonal changes. This affects a lot of people. Um, Maybe uh, you might uh, experience postpartum. That's a real thing. Um, After having a baby, your your hormones aren't balanced. I know many women experience depression after having a baby, uh, some way more severe than others. Uh, That could be going wrong and messing with your 
your uh, brain biology. Uh, maybe you're not getting enough sunlight or sleep or sun rays. For others, you might be having some thyroid issues where that's kind of putting some things off balance in your mind. Um, that's all affecting brain health. But a lot of times, a doctor will prescribe a medication for this, which, by the way, sometimes medications can cause depression. Uh, but these are all what we would call biological contri contributors to depression. Uh, bucket number two I would call situational. Um, a lot of people struggle with situational depression as a result of their circumstances. Maybe you lost your job or you didn't get that promotion. Maybe you didn't get accepted into that college or onto that sports team or maybe you're buried in a mountain of debt and no matter what you do, you just can't get out of it. Or maybe you're going through a medical issue or you just found out that you have cancer. Maybe you've had some trauma in your life. Um, these are all situational causes to depression, and this affects a lot of people as well. And bucket number three would be relational. Um, just like God created our body systems to work in harmony with one another, he also uh, created humans to work in harmony with one another. But when those relationships aren't healthy or they don't exist at all, it can affect us and it can affect our emotions. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe you're going through a divorce, and this actually can affect your kids' depression, too, if you've you got to keep up with what's going on in your kids' minds as well. Maybe you're experiencing a problem with the relationship with your child or one of your, your parents, and that relationship isn't healthy. Or maybe you're lonely, and you just don't have anybody around you. Maybe you have unreconciled issues between you and somebody else, because unforgiveness and bitterness can lead someone into depression as well. And they can definitely be relational contributor, contributors to depression. And so maybe you just need to do some heart work. I don't know. Uh, bucket number four I would call lifestyle. Um, there is a very large growing uh, number of doctors and clinical psychologists that believe that a person's lifestyle can cause uh, someone to go into depression. Um, I read a book last week. Again, another one more than Matt. Uh, I read a book last week by a guy named Stephen Ilardi called The Depression Cure. Uh, Stephen has his PhD in clinical psychology and has been working with uh, patients struggling with depression for decades. And he says this. He says, we were never designed for the sedentary, that's sitting down all the time, not moving, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, runs anyone, sleep deprived, frenzied pace of modern life. And it was a great book. I learned a lot. But he is convinced that the reason why so many people are in bondage to depression is simply because of how they live. And he believes if we can contribute to depression by the way that we live, then surely we can heal from depression by the way that we live. I mean, let's be honest. If you look around the world today, how do you see people living? Staying up too late, eating poorly, working too many hours, sitting in front of a computer screen, all day, not getting enough exercise, sitting in front of the TV or gaming system for hours, consuming unhealthy information. Some people are really living a boring lifestyle, if you ask me, but other people have just simply worn themselves to the ground, and now they just feel way too depressed to get back up. Here, I would reference that book again called Soul Keeping. Changed my life. Um, but again, I know that the cause of depression isn't a one-size-fits-all, but it can lead to very dark places. And I want to be really honest with you. Like, 
honest with you. I've really struggled with how to present this topic today. <clears throat> because how do you prepare for a, something like this? How do you talk about something like this? And have credibility to talk about it. And help people find hope and healing and freedom all in under 35 minutes. How do you do that? Earlier this week, I woke up around 2.30 a.m. and I could not fall back to sleep. I tried forever. It just didn't happen. It's because I couldn't stop thinking about you. It's because I love you and I know people struggle with this. And we love you. And you matter to us. But more importantly, you matter to God who created you, who knows you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And he knows when you rise and when you lie down and when you eat and when you sleep. He knows when you're happy and when you're hurting. He knows your passions, what makes you thrive. And he knows your purpose. And so while I was awake, I went down to my office and I prayed. And I asked God for help. I said, God, what does relevant community church need to hear? I know this will be posted on the internet forever and what I'm saying by this time is probably already wrong. But what does relevant community church need to hear? And I feel like he said this, Jimmy, take what you've learned and experienced and then just talk about it. And then let me deal with each individual person because I know them better than you. And so to the depressed person, here's a promise for you. You just have to wait patiently for him and turn your cry to him. And he will lift you up out of the pit and out of the mud and out of the swamp. And he will set your feet upon a rock and give you a firm place to stand. He's going to do more than that for you. He won't just give you that firm place to stand. He's going to keep you in perfect peace when you put your trust in him and keep your thoughts on him. Not on Trump, not on Biden, not on your circumstance, not on how you feel in the moment, not in, on the lies that you keep cycling through in your head, but when you keep your thoughts on him. And this is what I know and I believe with all my heart because we see stories of God doing this for every, people every single day. And we hear stories of God doing this for people every single day. And I believe that with all my heart because I've been there. A minute ago I told you I was going to be really, really honest with you. So I'm going to. Uh, about seven years ago, um, I began to go through some of the most darkest moments of my entire life. Um, never in a million years would I have thought that Jimmy George would be struggling with depression. Um, I would say that if my life was like an airplane, it was like someone grabbed the steering wheel or the yoke for the ones who actually know what we're talking about, the yoke of, of my life and just pushed it nose down. And every day I began feeling worse and worse and worse and I felt lower and lower and lower. And I'd, I'd come home from work a lot of days and just go straight to bed. I'd miss dinner and wake up the next day and start it all over. And uh, I would often bawl my eyes out um, on the couch next to my wife for no reason. Um, everything made me mad. Uh, almost every single word that I was said would hurt other people. It would make them mad. Um, I remember one day giving a sermon up here. Uh, I think about being filled with the Spirit and living a happy life. 
And uh, during that sermon, right in the middle of it, I remember saying, thinking to myself, this is just stupid. Like, I can't do this anymore. I don't even think I believe it anymore. And I imagine myself walking, just stopping in the middle of my sermon and walking down those stairs and out the back door and just being done with this whole thing. And one of my lowest points, <clears throat> I remember sitting in my basement thinking about what it would be like to leave everything and leave everyone that I had. It was like pure hell. But not just for me, but for my wife and my kids and anyone that I was around. And I basically gave up at that point. And I felt like I was at the bottom of a deep, dark pit and that there was no way out and I didn't know what to do. And this lasted for years. Then God woke me up. Um, one day here at work, just in that, in that other room over there, I was having a really hard time just simply writing an email. Uh, I couldn't muster up any energy or thought to it, so I just got up and left. And I went downtown to do some work for a gal who manages a bunch of rental properties here in Omaha because I just wanted to be alone. I didn't want to talk to people. And I get all the way down to 40th and Dodge where this garage is that I get some supplies from, and I realized that I forgot my key all the way back here in Elkhorn. Now, I don't like going past 168th. It's just way too far away. But I called the property manager when I got there, and she says, I'll send a guy to help let you in. And that just exhausted me, the thought of having to interact with somebody else. And I'm parked in this alley waiting, and this guy named Calvin shows up. And he starts to help me, but then he stops all of a sudden. He says, what's wrong with you? You look all down. Your body's all hunched over. You got like a droopy face looking like you're living like a woe is me kind of life. And he goes on like this for several minutes. And I thought, who does this guy think he is? I barely know this man. And then all of a sudden, after he was done scolding me, he just stops and begins talking to somebody else. And I'm looking around, and there's nobody else. He's talking to himself. And he's like, mm-hmm, okay, yep, all right. And I'm like, this guy's losing his mind. What kind of people work in Omaha here? But then he looks at me, and he started describing the inside of my kitchen at my house. And he got so detailed to talk about the color and pattern of my countertops. And then he asked me a bunch of questions about the things that only my wife and I would know about. And at that moment, I literally about passed out because now he had my full attention. And he quiets down again and then starts talking to somebody else again. I'm looking around. I'm like, this guy, what is going on here? But I'm listening. What do you got going? What's going on here? Then all of a sudden, he steps back to the other side of the alley. And he says, you got to get back up, son. And he laid into me for a long time. And he told me that I wasn't dead, so I needed to stop acting like it. Except he was talking as if it was God himself talking to me, using the words like, I told you, I made you. And he reminded me that I have a purpose. He reminded me of my passions and my gifts and his plan for me. He reminded me of who I was in Jesus. It was like God himself was standing there in front of me. And he spoke to me firmly from across the alley like that for probably 15 straight minutes. But it felt like a father reprimanding his boy. But it felt really safe. And then when he was done, he shuts the back of my truck. And then he just 
leaves. And I got in my truck and I bawled for a long time. And I literally started crying out to God for help. Help me, God. I don't know what is going on right now, but I'm listening. And for the first time in years, I felt something. I felt hope. And afterwards, like any man should do before you leave or go anywhere, you call your wife and tell her what's going on. And if you have a wife, if you don't, you call me. Um, I'll listen to you. But I wanted to tell her what just happened. And so we met at home, and we had a long conversation. Um, I acknowledged the way that I felt. I started talking about how I felt for a very long time. But I made the decision that day to do everything that I could to get help. And it was that day that God picked me up out of the pit, and he woke me up. And so I started making my bed. I hate making beds. It's so annoying. I started making my bed because it made me feel better, and I was doing something different. I started going for walks, although it was like to the end of the block and back, but I started going for walks. I still probably should walk farther. Um, I began going to counseling. I actually got on some medication for a while. Um, I started journaling my thoughts because when you journal your thoughts, you start learning a lot about what's really going on inside your, your heart and your mind. I started rearranging my calendar and creating space for myself and working on my broken relationships through something called Fresh Start, which you've heard about here, um, hopefully. Uh, but there's so much more that I wish I could tell you today. But my goal every day for myself was to put my hope in Jesus and do one thing different from the day before. And by the grace of God, he gave me hope. But that is what Jesus does. When it seems like there is no way, there's a way. When it feels like there is no hope, there's hope. And when it feels like there's no life, there is life because there is Jesus and He is life and He is our hope. But here's the deal you have to make the decision to grab a hold of yourself and point yourself toward that hope. I want to say that again. It's you that has to make that decision to take the first step toward healing. And it's available to you. There's something that we haven't talked about yet this morning when it comes to depression, but I believe that this is key. Remember earlier I said that the quality of our mental health is determined by our hope, and hope lives and dies in our minds, well, depression is closely related to a thought process called rumination. And rumination is a repetitive thinking or dwelling on negative feelings and thoughts, and it's that repetitive cycle. It's like turning your thoughts over and over and over in your mind. But the problem is they just get worse and worse and worse the more that you dwell on them. It's like... Chewing cud, it's gross. It's weird looking too if you can see an actual animal going up and down, up and down. Like giraffes, you can see it moving up and down. But what happens is you, you swallow that negative thought and you bring it back up again and you kind of mull around it. And then you swallow that negative thought and you bring it back up again. And you're like chewing it, you're chewing it, you're chewing it. You never spit it out. For some reason, it's disgusting. But that's what happens inside your mind. That's what rumination is. And no matter what got a person into depression... It's rumination that can keep them there. And then the next thing you know, your thoughts are somehow 
becoming lies. And the problem with that is lies push out hope. And that's a dangerous place to be. Back in one of my lowest moments, a pastor told me, Jimmy, your life is headed in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so what do we do about it? We have to interrupt that cycle. You have to interrupt that cycle. You have to change your thinking. You gotta like put a stick in the wheel of a bicycle and fling that negative thought somewhere else. Because if you don't, it'll ruin you. There's a passage in the Bible that says that we have to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Every single thought. I feel like I'm doing that every single day. I'm like, there's a bad thought. Toss it over. Wow, you know, like karate people. You got to do that all the time, but you have to interrupt those negative thought cycles and change your thinking. Well, change them to what? Thanks for asking that question. Well, the writers of Scripture answer this problem, this very thing. They say, he says, you have to change your thinking to whatever is true. Here's the deal. Our feelings aren't facts. Our feelings can lead us to some crazy thoughts and some crazy actions and moments. And in the moment, they can make you want to make a permanent decision. But we don't make permanent decisions based upon temporary feelings. And so in this case, we think about what is true. We think about whatever is noble, thoughts that are honorable and worthy of respect. We think about whatever is right that's confirmed by God's word through Scripture. We think about whatever is pure and wholesome in your mind, whatever is lovely, what brings you peace, think about that. Whatever is admirable, think about a good reputation. How do you want to show up in the moment? And finally, if anything is excellent or worthy of praise... Think about these things. And you know what is excellent and worthy of praise? Jesus. Because he's our hope. And he is the one that picks us up out of the pit and puts us back on solid ground. It's Jesus. And when you begin to capture these thoughts like that, it takes your mind off your circumstance. It takes your focus off of yourself and your woe is me. And it literally begins to change the wiring in your brain and begins to bring you hope. But this is a step that we have to do every single day. But I want to be honest with you. For those of you who have never put your faith in Jesus, you don't yet have this hope because it's only found in and through Jesus. But it's available to you. And you can take that first step today, and I hope that you do. uh, Because without him, you're never going to experience true and lasting hope. And here in just a minute, I'll give you that opportunity. But for everyone in the room and everyone listening later, depression doesn't discriminate. And it's different for everyone who battles with it. It's complex. But here's a question. Where do you need to ask for help? I live my life by a soundtrack. If you look at my Spotify playlist, you can go back for as long as I've had it, and you can know how I was feeling that particular day because they timestamp everything. I like it. Um, I just do. Uh, But I live my life by a soundtrack, and I've created a Spotify playlist called Steam Engine Worship because sometimes when we are depressed or hopeless, 
it can take a lot of energy to get us moving again, like a steam engine. And it just, like a steam engine just sits there, and it's all heavy like hissing, and there's bells, and making racket, and people are all over the place. It's kind of a disaster, and it's just making all kinds of noise. It just sits there until you put a scoop of coal in the fire. What's that coal do? Creates steam. And that steam builds up pressure. And that pressure starts to make the train move. And if you've never heard of steam engine, more coal. And he just gets faster. What happens to the train? It eventually picks up its pace and runs down the track at full speed and it sounds beautiful. And there's nothing that you can do to stop that. Your life can move again like that steam engine. You just need to shovel some coal on there, which is hope, it's Jesus. I need music like that to get me going, like a steam engine. It's got to be strong, and it's got to be loud, and it's got to help me drown out all the lies from the devil, so much so that I created that playlist for myself called Steam Engine Worship. You could probably Google it, not Google it, Spotify it. You look on the whatever you do to search things. Just search for Steam Engine Worship, and you can listen to what I start my day with most days. It's really loud stuff. I love it. But this morning, we sing a song called Rattle, and uh, it's all about the impossible things that God can do. Um, that song's on my playlist. Because when I feel down or stuck or like I'm in a cave or like dry bones, I need some hope to bring me back to life. And just like that song, maybe you feel like dry bones. Maybe you feel dead. Maybe you feel like you're in a cave. Maybe you feel like you're in a tomb or that your situation is impossible. But here's the thing. With God, nothing is impossible. Just like Pastor Matt said last week, Something we can do to find hope in those moments in our depression is to worship until you find hope and hope finds you. And so no matter where you are today, I want to help you get started. I want to help you change your thinking and I want to help you break that cycle of negative rumination so that you can turn it to hope. So we're going to sing this song. Our, Our band is going to sing this song over you, but we hope that you join us And if you find out that your body wants to get up during this song, well, then get up. If your lips want to cry out to God, then let them cry out to God. Even if you don't have the energy to just walk, just talk through those lyrics, because that's what I've had to do. I have to talk through some of the lyrics with the energy that I have. You got to pull yourself up sometimes. You got to talk to yourself. Let this song be your prayer, and let us sing this song over you. Let this be your battle cry. But for those of you who have not yet taken that first step of putting your faith in Jesus, who is the anchor of hope, this is your chance. And during this song, you can pray something like this right where you are. Jesus, I need hope. I know I'm a sinner and I can't do this on my own. And I need a savior. Will you be my Savior. 
and will you be the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life from this day forward? Will you be my anchor of hope?